The Australian Traditional Medicine Society will be holding their functional GI symposium in Sydney on Sunday the 15th of September 2019. This event will focus on specialised integrative and naturopathic approaches to the diagnosis, evaluation and treatment of a variety of GI presentations featuring five experts across a full day of learning. To find out more, go to atms.com.au and click on the Events tab. This is FX Medicine, I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line again today is Nicole Bilsma. She's a building biologist, she's a best-selling author of Healthy Home, Healthy Family, and a PhD candidate and principal of the Australian College of Environmental Study, which she established in 1999 to educate people about the health hazards in the built environment. Nicole is an accomplished naturopath and acupuncturist who has published in peer-reviewed journals and lectured at tertiary institutions for 30 years. She's written extensively for Body and Soul newspaper and is regularly consulted by the media to discuss mould, electromagnetic fields and toxic chemicals. She lectures in Australia and abroad about environmental health issues. Welcome back to FX Medicine. Nicole, how are you? I'm really well. Always excited to speak to you. <laughs> now, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. But we're in a bit of a quandary right at the moment because 5G technology is about to roll out in Australia. What's 5G? Great question. Well, it's a new generation in mo mobile wireless communication that will give rise to what they're referring to as the fourth industrial revolution or Industry 4. So 5G promises greater reliability, massive connectivity, faster network speeds, better coverage and virtually no latency. And this, of course, will give rise to autonomous systems, self-driverless cars and artificial intelligence and completely revolutionise every aspect of our lives because the way we live, we work and travel... Everything we own and buy from our cars to our appliances will contain antennas and microchips that will be connected wirelessly as part of the Internet of Things. So this really is the, the sort of coming of age of the, the ponderings and writings of, of sci-fi writers like Isaac Asimov and, uh, forgive me, I can't remember his first name, but Hamilton. Um, we yes. really are into this sci-fi era. Exactly right. Um, but the issue is, is that there's no requirements for the telecommunications to prove or even research it. There's no independent research going on at this point in time to investigate the impact of this high-frequency millimetre-wave radiation, which was developed by the military uh, as a weapon and for crowd control many decades ago. There's no research on its impact of exposing the entire planet. And we're talking an infrastructure that's very different to the existing 4G, 3G network. It's not like cell phone base stations that radiate a radius around the cell phone base station around 400 metres. It's like um, millimetre-wave beams that come from these small cell antennas, which will be fitted every 50 to 250 metres from every home in high-density areas, 
and 20,000 satellites in the magnetosphere. The impact on the terrestrial radiation, the Schumann resonance, the magnetic field is essentially unknown. I mean, we're playing God here. This, this is quite amazing because I remember looking up 5G when I first heard that it was coming um, to Australia. And the only information really that I was seeing was information from the, technolo- the technology providers themselves and maybe a few, you know, PC mags and that sort of thing. Um, there was no research that I could see. No, there is no research. And you, you look at the what the government has put out in so far as that they've established a 5G working group in 2017 consisting of industry bodies and key industry players along with the government departments to coordinate the implement, implementation and rollout of 5G. And there's not one person there involved in a health expert, not one health expert. This has already been pre-planned years before. The, the government actually wants to be a first adopter country, which means that we'll be rolling it out sooner than most Western countries. Right. Just like cell phones, we were the guinea pigs. Um, and they want to make sure the coverage covers 99% of the Australian population by 2021. How does 5G signalling differ from our existing coverage? So basically, 5G uses still is using radio frequency electromagnetic energy. Mm. So, it, but it's much higher up the electromagnetic spectrum. So, the wavelengths are incredibly a lot smaller, similar to what you find, say, for example, in microwave ovens. Much, much smaller. That's why they have to have the infrastructure so close to the home because it's so such a small wave that it doesn't penetrate long distances. Um, and that's a huge problem. But it is a radio frequency, and the reality is there is sufficient data uh, as to the biological effects of the existing wireless technology, 4G, 5G, etc., and its impact on human health. So that's the issue. We already know how the existing wireless technology and radio frequencies affect human health at a cellular level, yeah. and yet we're introducing much higher millimetre waves as in um, millimeter wave radiation that's using the military as a weapon and exposing the entire planet. I mean, as a researcher, how do I do research on this if there's no control? This is a human rights issue. I think the problem is that when you say it's a human rights issue, it's already here. It's been bypassed. It has. Yeah. So and it's very different to the last, the five generations. Like if we go back to the first generation of mobile wireless communications. That was deployed in around 1983, and I was using analog mobile mobile voice, which is the old brick yeah. um, cell phones, which cost a fortune. Remember, they were thousands yep. of dollars. Yep, three and a half grand, yep. The second generation came in 91, and that was the first with digital mobile voice, digital pulsed signals, and they're the ones that have the biological effects. So that was introduced in Australia around the early 1990s, 91, I believe, and that included um, short message service or SMS or texting ability. The third generation was the beginning of the smartphones and enabled you to access the internet. And that was launched in around early 2000 in Western countries. And, of course, that required the deployment of these um, quite a diffuse mobile phone base stations. And it was from about 2000 onwards when the general public, more and more of us had these phones. Fourth generation was around 2009, 2010, 
and that involved much better abilities to watch movies on your phones and, you know, the data capacity was much higher. So now we can use our phones for us like we do the internet, like we did our computer. Fifth generation, completely different, as I mentioned, completely different infrastructure, almost total connectivity. I mean, really what we're talking about is being able to download 600 feature films a minute because clearly that's what we all want in our lives. Yes. Is oh, disconnect a... more from yeah. our families. Yeah. Um, and it will be at least 100 times faster than the existing 4G network. So we're, to- we're talking about wavelength here. Yes. However, sunlight, UV is even shorter again. So it's not so much the frequency here, it's actually the power output and the data on the wave that appears to be causing the biological effects. We're actually not sure what is it about the electromagnetic field that causes the um, within the field, whether it's the data writing on the field, dirty power, um, the frequency itself... Unless it's non-ionising radiation, you know, mm. X-rays, gamma rays, mm. that can, of course, dis- dislodge photons. But we do know non-ionising radiation can cause cancer indirectly because of its impact on voltage-gated calcium channels in the brain, in the heart, and in the testicles where these voltage-gated calcium channels are primarily located. And they're the symptoms associated with electromagnetic sensitivity. So we know how it affects the body at a cellular level, these radio frequencies and wireless technology, but we don't know what it is about the wave that's causing those biological effects. Right, but but if we know that we're affecting calcium ion-gated channels, Mm. then, for instance, in the brain, we're talking about NMDA receptors and we're talking about neuro-hyperexcitability. So it's, mm. I guess the issue that we're going to face is it won't be a, an acute thing that you hold a phone up to your ear and you suddenly get an issue. I guess it's another instance of, um, you know, what's going on is already here. We have to deal with it and try and disprove it. And, and well, that, that's the problem. Yeah. And you're exactly right. With most people who develop electromagnetic sensitivity, and, my, and I'm here to tell you that is all of us. It is just a matter of time. Probably the most important document any clinician can get, there'll be a few that I'll highlight, maybe four or five, that I think all clinicians need to access to be able to identify electromagnetic sensitivity and the symptoms as they gradually come on and be able to um, diagnose and treat it. Obviously, the most important document I've ever come across that I think is amazing to show that insidious effect was that between 1960 and 1996, the Russians made a requirement that anyone involved in the electrical industry or exposed to any form of electromagnetic fields as part of their occupation had to be tested for health, you know, um, assessed medically every year. So they've got this data of 36 years of thousands of workers during, involving these large-scale occupational exposures. And they came out with this report, which was translated by the Germans in 2016. And it's called, and you can get on the internet, Health Implications of Long-Term Exposure to Electrosmog by Carl Hecht, H-E-C-H-T. It's a brilliant document because it shows these gradual symptoms developing after, you know, years of exposure. And basically, in a nutshell, it says if you're exposed to electromagnetic fields, whether it's AC magnetic fields from current, say if you're you know, sleeping in a meter panel, or 
you know, you know, forgetting that draws a motor, like, you know, you may the panel will be the most important example. Yeah. Then if it's 20 minutes or less a day, it had no impact, even if it was every day. So if you're exposed for 20 minutes or less a day, no side, no side effects. But if you're exposed for two hours or more per day to an AC magnetic field or radio frequencies within exp- existing exposure standards, um, within five to ten years, you will show these, um, these uh, impacts on the parasympathetic nervous system. So, and basically, they show this gradual decline in neurodegenerative function, which are the symptoms of electromagnetic sensitivity. So, EEG changes, breakdown of the alpha into theta and occasional delta rhythm within the brain, sleep disorders, disorders of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Of course, you know, most people with chronic illnesses, they have these HPA issues, like, you know, your mole patients all have these issues. Um, arterial hypotension and changes from bradycardia to tachycardia, so fast and slow heartbeat. You have this, what they call this vagotonic shift in the cardiovascular system, and it's gradual and it's insidious, and a hyperactivity of the thyroid gland. So that results then in the hair loss, um, um, erectile dysfunction, you, it results in tinnitus in a lot of patients and an increased susceptibility to infection. So they have the objective findings. This is another answer to the things that, at least, you know, we, we already know that's happened with the 3G, 4G technology with regards to our obsession with uh, chronic use of technology, not just causing disconnectedness, but also affecting, you know, behaviour and and cellular function. We've previously attributed it to the light and just this, you know, for instance, a chronic stress like the war games or the stressful type of things that we see online, rather than the technology itself causing these biological effects. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, you know, you mentioned blue light. We haven't even mentioned that yet. That's one of the mechanisms by which you are tricking the body into thinking it's daytime instead of nighttime. Right. And the problem is with the green movement, you know, I take the mickey out of the green movement in the first chapter of my book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, introduce, getting rid of incandescent light bulbs, which are the healthiest forms of lighting in terms of no emissions of radio yeah. frequencies, etc. To LEDs, LEDs, most of these LEDs are huge and it's a blue light. So we've introduced the lighting in our home at night time yeah. that is suppressing melatonin and stuffing up our circadian rhythm. Just the lighting, let alone all the LEDs in your digital devices. I have indeed, I'm, I'm guilty of doing that myself. When uh, I revamped our bathroom, I put in these I think it was 13 watt LEDs. And I remember the rear neighbour saying, I thought there was a fire or something going on. <laughs> because he said it was like lightning <laughs> when we turned oh the God. bathroom light on. And like now I wish, you know, indeed I may do this in the future, is change them to a, um, a dimmer switch. I understand you can get, you know, LEDs now, which you can change from white to yellow and decrease their incandescent, their their lumens, is that correct? Yes, you can. There are LEDs. So is that decreasing their light. blue light when you get the yellow light ones, the warmer white? Yeah, you need to confirm that with the manufacturer that they do that because they should be able to give you a chart to demonstrate what lighting they have. I have filament lighting. It looks like the old incandescent light bulbs, but it, it, 
It's like this orange glow. So how else do EMFs affect the body, particularly 5G? Okay, well, that's a good question in relation to 5G because there's very little research on 5G and its impact on human health. Yeah. Um, so, but what is very well established in relation to 5G is that since the 1960s, they're very aware of, and it's well established, that 5G, the millimetre wave radiation, causes cataracts in animal and human studies. And this is because the eyes lack sufficient blood flow to dissipate heat effectively. So, and of course, cataracts are the number one cause of blindness in the world. So we know it can cause blindness. The other issue, health concern that we are concerned about is with 5G, is that the sweat ducts in the skin, we have two to five million sweat ducts in our skin throughout the largest organ of our body. They act as helical antennas to these frequencies and they've been shown to absorb high levels of this radiation. Now, we know the skin is very strongly um, connected to the sympathetic nervous system to reflect our states of stress and emotion and fear and pain. So we are concerned what impact will they have on our immune response and, um, you know, the downstream effects of that. We don't know. The other issue that's been raised in the scientific literature about health concerns in light of the fact that there's been very little research on it is that we know that these these beams of radiation, that very small millimetre wave radiation, may result in what they call brilliant precursors, which are very fast pulses of radiation that travel deep within the body. And it can take, it'll take decades to establish the impact of exposing the generation to this electro smog from the cradle to the grave because we, yeah. we essentially don't know, and there's no independent research currently going on to actually establish what impact it will have on human, animal or plant life. Right. So, okay, so I'm just going on the issue of cataract. If this is a known issue, an increase in cataract, and we are then implementing 5G with this prior armed knowledge, could the argument be made in the future? And let's face it, it's going to happen. So the only thing that we can then do in the future is change our behaviour and, and what we're using. If we know these issue, issues now and an increase in cataracts is then seen in, other, in populations that would otherwise not encounter these, um, is that a reasonable argument to say, see, I told you so, we now need to change. We now need to you know, divert to some other technology. Do you think that's a strong enough argument and would governments listen? Or do you think it's just this technologically driven machine that money drives them, the, you know, the cogs of of the Western world and, and we're in it? We're just going to have to put it, up with it. This is being done because they're saying that the public want this and it's being driven for security. So the one of the largest concerns I have about the 5G network is that it represents the greatest threat to our freedom in the history of humanity, and that's a huge statement. But every appliance in your home, your phone, computer, smart meter appliances and everything will record data about you, right. your choices, and your activities in real time by the 5G network. The ability to hack into the network is evidenced by the growing number of incidences where you hear about intruders hacking into wireless baby monitors, talking to your babies whilst no. they're sleeping. Yeah. Intruders using digital devices to hack into and disable your home security while they're outside in their car. And, of course, the power distributors can shut down your heating and cooling systems remotely to save power to the grid. 
There was a very important report that came out very recently this year called the 2019 Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, and it's basically the intelligence community openly admitting 5G provides the ideal platform to spy on citizens in the name of national security. Privacy and security will be non-existent. Non-existent. Everything you do can be tracked in real time. And that is the real issue that we need to be marching on the streets. So so what do we really need to do then? Like, is there a technology ombudsman? Who do we need to be complaining to uh, to get our message out there? Well, I've got on my website, there's a page on what you can do, how to take action against 5G, sign the petition, the link. There's about 50,000 signatures on that, and that's an Australian petition. Yeah. There's also a lot of Stop 5G Facebook groups, um, and I've got a link to that as well. If you just type in Stop 5G in your area, there's likely to be a group. There's a great radio interview on my website with... Ray Broomhall, who has stopped 400 cell, mini um, small cell towers based on the criminal code. So it's not based on health that he's stopping these towers. It's based on the invasion of your privacy and your site of electro, uh, electro smog. So if you can prove you're electrically sensitive and get your doctor to verify that, that is often in the, in the court of law sufficient to indicate that you should not have any electrosmog beaming from other neighbours into your property. So he's been able to stop quite a few towers based on that. So listen to that radio interview, How to Take Action Against 5G with Max Eigen in conversation with Ray Broomhall. And he's doing amazing work. Oh, as are you. And I've got to say, we will definitely be putting up all of these resources on the fxmedicine.com.au website. Please comment on other social media platforms. Nicole Bilsma, please follow this woman. She is incredible, vanguard of our health. Um, what other resources can you give us? Well, there's a whole lot of videos that I post on my 5G and the Internet of Things on my website. So have a look at that. What is 5G? 5G exposed. And these are 2019 videos. Some are two minutes long. Others are 40 minutes. Arthur, Arthur Furstenberg, 5G, Birds, Bees and Humanity. Wow, that's really depressing, <laughs> but very factual. So definitely well worth watching. There's about four videos I've got on my platform where you can learn more information. But probably one of the best reads is by Professor Martin Paul, who's a leading researcher on who discovered how radio frequencies affect the body at a cellular level with the voltage-gated calcium channels. And he wrote this amazing, very detailed um, document on 5G, great risk for EU, US and international health. Um, and it's quite a detailed document on his explanation as a professor in research on electromagnetic fields on how it harms human health. Nicole, I have to say, one of the things that I love about you is that you back every single thing you say up with data, research, investigation into issues. And I urge everybody who's listening to this, they've got to get your book, Healthy Home, Healthy Family, because it's not a book. It's a seminal textbook. It sh I, I think it should be a mandatory read for every person, not just an integrative um, practitioner, but every person who's interested in the healthy family, healthy home. Yeah, no, I'm definitely... Um 
like to get my head stuck in the research and have a look at what's going on. And look, even on the, the page on 5G on my website, you'll see the government's document on Mobile Telecommunications Association this year, 2019, and the 5G enabling the future economy by the Australian government. And you've got it straight from the horse's mouth, <laughs> what the intentions are. Yeah, that's what scares me. I mean, I'm reading what the government is saying about this and comparing it with leading researchers and going, there's something really wrong here. And that's why our clinicians need to be able to diagnose EHS and give good information to be able to educate them as to how to reduce their exposures. It's so important. And that's why, you know, having these um, talks and webinars, etc., and, and talking to your community is such an important thing because, I mean, otherwise I'm sitting here in my office and it just doesn't get out there. So yeah. it's commendable that you're doing this and educating clinicians because it's, it's ongoing and what's happening is they need to understand. I mean, I've had my head in this for two decades now, but... Um, yeah, really important that you get out there with your dudes. You mentioned diagnosis just before, and I just want to quickly cover this. How should we be diagnosing issues with EMF? Okay, there have been some great documents on this. There's three. The Austrian Medical Association in 2012 had the guideline of the Austrian Medical Association for the diagnosis and treatment of EMF-related health problems. It's on my website. And in my book, I talk about it as well, how to diagnose. Mm. The second one is by... Professor Dominic Belpone, a French researcher who's a specialist in chronic fatigue. In 2015, he wrote a paper called Reliable Disease Biomarkers Characterizing and Identifying Electro-Hypersensitivity and Multiple Chemical Sensitivity as Two ETO Pathogenic Aspects of the Pathological <laughs> Disorder. <laughs> Just a light read. <laughs> <laughs> it's about 30 pages long. <laughs> it's brilliant, but it's really, really good for clinicians. Um, and the last one is the European Academy for Environmental Medicine. In 2016, wrote a great paper, European, P-A-E-N, European EMF Guideline 2016 for the Prevention, Diagnosis and Treatment of EMF-Related Health Problems and Illnesses. Definitely get those. They are excellent. And in short, they talk about that EHS is a chronic inflammatory response, slight mold like so many other chronic illnesses, characterised by oxidative stress, so they use nitrotyrosine marker for perioxynitric production, circulating autoantibodies against omyelin, hyperhistamina, so high levels of histamine, histamine in the blood because EMS causes degranulation of mast cells on the skin. This is why 5G is even more concerned because it targets the skin. Um, and, of course, uh, metal loads. When people have high levels of metal in their body, especially incompatible metals like titanium and um, stainless steel, it sets up a battery effect and can cause galvanic corrosion. So there was an interesting um, sem medical seminar happening in Germany a few months ago about um, the work of Vera... I can't remember her last name. She died this year, unfortunately. She's the lead researcher on toxic metals mm. and really looked at the side effects associated with it. But it increases susceptibility to EMS. So also decreased urine melatonin and hyperperfusion of certain parts of the brain is the characteristic signs of um, electromagnetic sensitivity. But the symptoms are classic, classic. So we talked about them. You know, we've got things like um, fatigue, uh, because it targets the heart, you're looking at things like uh, chest constriction. I've mentioned bradycardia and tachycardia, postural orthostatic tachycardia, so they, they get up and they're really dizzy. Yep. 
And brain fog, poor concentration, short-term memory loss, um, dizziness, confusion, dyslexia in adults is really, really common um, as well. But headaches is classic, especially in children, and sleep disorders is rife. Sleep disturbances that are not explained by stress or noise or too much light in the bedroom always think electromagnetic fields and, of course, long-term fatigue. Some of my clients get tinnitus and many years syndrome and others get fibromyalgia, but nearly all of them are chemically light, noise and smell sensitive. Just as a wrap-up question, Nicole, what are progressive countries doing then about 5G? Well, there's been a lot of movement internationally on this because of concerns that have been raised. Um, You've got the International 5G Appeal launched by 230 scientists and doctors from 41 countries uh, calling on the European Union to halt the rollout of 5G. So have a look at that. Um, Of course, Professor Martin Paul's report, 5G rollout is an act of insanity, and there's a video link. Um, the U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal raised concerns about the lack of research on 5G. The Russian Ministry of Defence refused to transfer frequencies with 5G to delay the rollout. They've delayed it. And lots of states within the U.S., um, their city officials have stated their opposition. Uh, Florence and Italy in March this year uh, refused the 5G infrastructure based on the precautionary principles and said that ICNIP's existing standards, you know, like the World Authority on EMF exposure standards, was not adequate, as we all know that. Um, Brussels and Belgium, the environmental minister in April this year, Celine Fremont, halted the 5G development on the basis that its citizens were not to be used as guinea pigs. And in April, we had the Netherlands express concern over health effects from the 5G network and that was from the House of Representatives. Um, there's a whole lot going on overseas about this. It's absolutely amazing that 5G in Australia is already here. Um, so as you say, our citizens are guinea pigs. We um, are guinea pigs. Yeah. Nicole, I thank you so much for taking us through these real current issues with 5G technology. And and I, I again, I, I admire and applaud your work for raising all of these health issues to maintain a healthy home and a healthy family and indeed in this case we're going to have to try and regain it off the authorities who are making these decisions supposedly for us. Thank you for having me on. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Dr Elisa Song will return to Australia from the 21st to the 30th of August 2019 for the Bioceutical Seminar Series Holistic Children's Health. Dr Song will be sharing her clinical expertise on a range of paediatric health topics, including safe detoxification, autoimmunity, anxiety, autism, gut health, and much, much more. For more information and to purchase your ticket, go to bioceuticals.com.au and click on the Education tab.